Good morning, greeting you to you in Christ's name. It's good to be with you this morning. Could you turn down the lights one, one switch if you don't mind? title of the short homily I'm giving this morning is The Greatest Gift. Um, 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I was thinking as we were singing that last song how that I would like for us to come away today with an adoration for Christ and the gift that it is to us. It is truly an indescribable gift. How many of you like Christmas time? Maybe a third of you, half of you um, enjoy Christmas time. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of gift buying, a lot of things happening. One of the things I really don't enjoy is having to go find gifts. I, I, I don't enjoy that very much. My wife told me Friday night, we were out shopping that you're a terrible shopper. And I said, well, I guess I am. Uh, some of you really enjoy it. It's a very good time, I think, because of the fact that it helps us to think of Jesus and his gift, that he is the gift to us. I read a story about one little girl who, is, who is really didn't enjoy Christmas. She thought her parents were so taken up with Christmas that they were neglecting her. They, they, they just were out, uh, dad was lugging in the gifts and mom was going to parties and everything and a little girl was just feeling neglected. Somebody heard her praying one night. She said, our father which art in heaven, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. seems that there was an art contest held in a local school down in Texas one year. And uh, all these children drew pictures of Christmas, of what they thought Christmas was like. A nine-year-old won one of the prizes with a picture of uh, a manger scene with the wise men there presenting gifts to Jesus. And... uh, the unique thing about it, they, the, there was a fire truck over on the side of the picture. And the principal asked the uh, little boy, you know, I, what's with the fire truck? Little boy, he says, well, he says, the Bible says that the wise men came from afar. <laughs> wise men. Wise men. What about wise women? Someone said it had been a whole lot different if it was wise women that had come instead of wise men. I think it would have been. For one, they would have asked directions before they left. Number two, they would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought some practical gifts from Babies R Us. I read the story about uh, Lee. Lee was a reporter, speaking of the greatest gift, from the Chicago Tribune. He was a, an atheist, self-professed atheist. He was sitting at his desk on Christmas Eve, 
slow news day, and he was reminiscing about an article that he had run in the, in the Chicago Tribune about the Delgado family. They were a poor family on the west side of Chicago who had almost nothing, and he had discovered this, and he had run a story in the paper about it. It was a grandmother named Perfecta and her two granddaughters, Jenny, 13, and Lydia, 11. He remembered how he had gone to their apartment, and it was just bare. There was nothing there, almost just bare, bare rooms, no furniture hardly, no rugs, no anything. And uh, <clears throat> he had learned that the girls only had one dress apiece, um, and they shared a sweater. They would walk to school. One of them would wear the sweater halfway to school, and the other one the other half of the way so that they could stay as warm as they could. He had run an article in the paper, and so he decided it was a slow news day. He would go over and visit the Delgado family. And so he went over there. He drove a car over to the west side, and I don't know how many of you know the west side of Chicago, but it's a very, very poor, very rough part of town. And uh, he was surprised. He couldn't believe his eyes when he walked into their apartment. There was just stuff all over the place. People had responded to his article in the paper and had brought all kinds of gift to the Delgado family. Furniture and appliances and rugs and coats and scarves and gloves and a bunch of food, even a Christmas tree with a lot of, a lot of uh, gifts under it and, and cash. Well, it really was surprising to him that they were, the old grandma, Perfecta, and was there and, and the girls were, were repackaging it and preparing to give it away. And he said, what, why are you doing that? They said, well, there's others that have, have real needs in the community around us. And he said, well, what do you think about the response of, of the people who gave you all these things? And they said, um, oh, it's great. It's a gift from God. But she said, Lee, we're going to celebrate the greatest gift tomorrow, and that's Jesus and Lee was speechless, this atheist, self-avowed atheist. As he was driving home in his car, he thought about that, how that he had everything that he wanted, but he didn't have that, that joy and that peace that this needy family had over on the west side of Chicago. They had Jesus, and he was indeed the greatest gift that the world ever received. I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about John 3.16. How many of you could recite that from memory? John 3.16. I'm going to be calling on you to recite that. And I'm just ask for volunteers. If not, I'll just say somebody's name. When I, uh, different places here in, in, the, in the message. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, it's a very familiar verse, and I chose the King James because most of us have memorized it in the King James Version. But I'd like for you to do something that I teach my, my Bible study students to do, and I'm going to be teaching them to do this winter, is to put the emphasis on different parts of the verse. As you're reading or reciting the verse, put the emphasis in different parts. You could do something like this, for God so loved the world. God so loved the world, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. 
For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'd like us to come away from this with a deep appreciation for how God so loved the world. God so loved the world. The greatest gift that he gave was in response to the fact that he so loved the world. The measure of love is related to how much it gives. The measure of love is always its willingness to give. The opposite of love is selfishness. The measure of our love is directly related to the selflessness that we portray in our lives. If we want to measure God's love, we've got to look at it in the measure of what he gave. At Bethlehem and at Calvary, through the gift of his son, Jesus. Without Calvary, there would be no Bethlehem, and without Bethlehem, there would be no Calvary. Love unselfishly gives. God so loved the world. How much, how did God so love the world? What is that measure of love? I share a poem that I, that I found somewhere. It says, what love does, love ever gives, forgives, and outlives, and ever stands with open hands, and while it lives, it gives, and while it gives, it lives. And this is love's prerogative, to give and give and give. So how much did God love the world? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God also gave himself. In giving his son, God gave himself also, 2 Corinthians 5.19, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. God gave up his son. I'd like for us just to spend a couple of minutes this morning looking at the fact that what God had to give up when he gave his only begotten son. Romans 8.32 says he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Every step of the way, the heart of God was reaching out through his son, in his son. Sacrificing with him, loving with him, caring with him, hurting with him, crying with him. He did not spare his son. He gave him up. He released him. He sacrificially gave him up. He did not keep him for himself. He unselfishly gave. God knew what his son was going to get into when he came to earth. Jesus knew that. The infinite became the infant. He leaves the palace of heaven to, be, to go to a smelly and dirty stable. From the adoring throne room to a gritty, even hostile, earthly environment, which became even more hostile as his ministry was rejected by the very ones that he came to love and to save. Abraham 
gives us a picture of what the heart of God must have been like when he gave up his son. We all know, I think, probably the story, and I don't need to relate the story of Abraham when he gave up his son Isaac, was willing to give him up, was willing to kill his son Isaac for God. And herein, I think we can see the love, the heart of God. And that's what I want to focus on is, is the heart of love that God had for us so that we can respond to that heart of love with adoration and with thanksgiving. First of all, the type is the uniqueness of his love. Isaac was the son of his old age, the one he had waited for all these years. He waited and he waited and he waited and he finally, finally received that son. And I think there was a real special connection between Abraham and his son Isaac, a very special connection, a very deep bond of love, the one and only begotten son. Someone recite John 3.16. Amen. Secondly, the costliness of his sacrifice. Everything he lived for was tied up in his son. He would have given a hundred lambs, a thousand lambs to God, no problem. He would have given almost anything else, not the son, not the son. God, not my son. Not Isaac. And in the heart of God, not Jesus. Not Jesus. They were so close. He was so special. The child of his old age, the child of promise. His only begotten son. John 3.16. Number three, his readiness to act. No record of hesitation with Abraham. The long night that he was thinking about that, the long journey over to Mount Moriah, no record of questioning. Something drove him on. Something caused him to go on relentlessly toward Mount Moriah with his son Isaac. We know what it was. It was love. It was love for God in the case of Abraham. In, the case, in our case, it was love for us. When, God, when it came time for God to give his, give his son Jesus, he gave him up because he loved us so much. John 3.16. Amen. Number four, his foresight, his preparation. Seeing the place afar off and going towards it. The Bible says that from the foundation of the world, God was willing to give up his son. The plan was in place for him to give up his son. John 3.16. Amen. Number five, his intense suffering. I can only imagine the breaking of Abraham's heart as he was preparing to sacrifice his son, Isaac, his only son of promise. 
the innocently willing Isaac who gave himself up there to be tied up and put on top of the altar. For the Son of God, it was as he allowed his hands to be placed out on the altar, on the cross, as they pounded in those nails. God, as he was looking on, And saw them mistreating his son. Taking the life of his son. You know, you've heard as a child, perhaps your mom or dad, or maybe you've done it as a parent. This hurts me worse than it hurts you. You know, God the Father was hurting. He was hurting. He was hurting so much. But he gave up his only son. John 3.16 Amen. The revelation of his heart, the way that sacrifice real, revealed his heart, his allegiance, where it was, the size of his heart, what it was made of. What was God's heart made of? It was made of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Number seven, his, his sacrifice was a response to the call, to a call. The call of God was for, for Abraham. The call of human need came up to God. The call of love in his heart, amazing love, indescribable love, unfathomable love, amazing love. John 3.16. Nathan. Amen. Finally, the results of his sacrifice. In the case of Abraham, we know that all nations were blessed through Abraham. All peoples can come to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In closing, I want to look at the receiving of the gift. We receive that gift from God. We understand what it took to provide that gift. Romans 8.32 says, he, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What is the greatest gift? The greatest gift is Jesus. We know that. We've been taught that. The greatest gift is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But you know, he said, this scripture says, along with Jesus, he gives us all things. How many of you need forgiveness in your life this Christmas time? We need forgiveness. We come to God for forgiveness. What do we get? We get Jesus. He gives us his son. 
Do you need cleansing? Yes, you need cleansing. You come to God. And what do you get? You get Jesus. Jesus, with along with Jesus, we get all these gifts. Do you need peace? Does the world need peace? Absolutely. Does the world need healing? We get these gifts through Jesus. We receive them in Jesus. There's no other way to receive these gifts but through Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do we need peace? Do we need comfort? Do we need hope? Do we need cleansing? Do we need assurance? Do we need a future life after this life? Absolutely. We receive Jesus. The gift is free. We cannot earn it. But it comes as a package gift. You know, and that's where many people stumble. They, don't, they want all these things like forgiveness. They want assurance of the future, but they don't want Jesus. Because when Jesus comes into our heart, he claims us. He is not only the gift, but he is our Lord. When we receive Jesus, we receive him as God gives him, as our Savior and also our Lord. He now takes residence in our lives. It's a marvelous gift. We receive him. We receive and we're so grateful. I want to wrap up this little sermon with uh, a song that we probably sang maybe over this Christmas time. But it has, actually has two verses. I didn't realize this until I looked for it online. Receiving the gift, Savior and Lord. Into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to to out of my heart out of my heart shine out of my heart Lord Jesus shine out today going to respond today to that gift. I trust that we'll respond with real gratitude and appreciation this Christmas time and throughout the coming year that we would thank God for his, his unspeakable gift, his unfathomable gift, his gift that is the gift of his son Jesus. God bless you.